Welcome to the Chronicles of Ganesi, Curse of the Green Sea. We're a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast about six adventurers who are trying to purify the real meter, Mira? Helper? Something? Hi, I'm Chase. I do D&D and stuff. I play Alexander the Human Sorcerer. Um, around the same time when he was learning how to make jewelry, uh, he uh, decided to fit, try to play the loot. Bought one and everything. Had a few lessons, and when he went back to Lyceum, they found the loot and they confiscated it. No joy for you. No, no joy for me. My name is Morgan Mendez, and I play Dara Matawat, the druid slash cleric of Neramis. And aside from the the expendable parts of them that we talked about, that they've got to change and like oil up and shit like that the wooden and metal um i don't think i mentioned the no we did i did mention the eldritch blast correct correct how we mechanically did it yeah um the strato falcon however when we first designed them way back i designed their boots in order to enter interweave into the strato falcon that way they latched on unfortunately be like a snowboard um So different parts of them have been working like that for a very long time. Uh, Sorry that I had two repeat facts. I thought I I didn't mention the one about Elder's Blast, and then I... It is what it is. I mean, it's fine. We're only like 35 episodes in. (laughs) Sorry about that. There's repeats everywhere. It's okay. I just thought it was a really cool fact. If there's one thing I've learned about podcasting, it's that you'll always come back to the same few things over and over and over. It's true. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is Coleman Winger, and I play Orofarne, the Mizoku Echo Knight fighter paladin of Yuantu. My fun fact for Orofarne tonight is just a very short story about the first time he met Queen Eliana Stalbrook. Um, It was... One time, when they, when he was with the Immortal Sun still, they were actually being pursued by her Royal Navy, and she actually sunk the ship that he was on, and wound up taking him and the entire crew of that one ship prisoner. After three days down in the brig while they were on their way back to the capital in Davenport, um, he and the crew actually set fire to the inside of the ship and then escaped to the sea. Um, where they rendezvoused on a marked island uh, with their crew just a few weeks later. Badass. Yeah. Hello, I'm Addison Bell. I played Crucian... Oh my gosh! I played (laughs) Crucian Trailbreaker. I cannot talk! This is going to be a rough night! Oh my! Crucian Trailbreaker. <laughs> Talking about dogs earlier. That's your fursona. Tales. <laughs> this is going to be a rough evening. Uh, anyways, you know who I am and who I play. Um, he's the creepy, crawly, bug ranger tracker boy of the group. And uh, we're still doing close facts. We're, st- we're trying to keep this up. It's getting rough, though. It was brought up before the show. The Clution hasn't talked about his underwear. Fun fact about Clution and his underwear. He doesn't talk about his underwear. It's not going to happen. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but what is it, though? You could well, talk about it, it. He doesn't talk about his underwear. 
not going to talk about it. Is it swarm, not weave them like everything didn't, else? I just we said have, we're not talking. <laughs> didn't we have a, a swimming or bath or something where we went to a sauna or something? Way, 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 way back way when... Um, before recording. What, yeah, when... Who knows? Um, Shoot. I think he's probably a briefs man. If not like a no banana comment. hammock guy. He's probably <laughs> free balling, if we're being honest. Honestly, I could no comment. He's just got just a little bit say. of spider web that's kind of holding the important bits together. Stop it! Just just, open. That's yeah, like so a, damn funny. A, a, a jock strap made out of beetles. Oh my god. His own little uh, web sack, if you know what I mean. Yeah. An athletic <laughs> oh cup. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's like an athletic cup. Feels. Yeah. A web sack. Hard shelled. <laughs> That's right. Oh, god damn it. Does that mean the Beatles could theoretically act as a chastity belt? Oh my god. <laughs> Ginny had to get the Beatles' permission before ever having sex with Clution. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and they said, oh, uh, they said, oh, <laughs> if you want permission. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't recorded in like three weeks. This is, this is fun. This it's been a, bit. a runaway train situation at this point. <clears throat> Dustin. <laughs> All right. I am, I'm Dustin Ole, and I play Yorder and Battlehammer, the Mel Mountain Dwarf fighter. Uh, I'm pretty sure if you've listened to us, you've probably figured out by now that Yordy's not the brightest tool in the shed. Um, but he has a real hard time with social cues and being able, being able, uh, being able to uh, just catch on to him. He needs a little more vocal. Uh, what do I want to say? Uh, instructions on certain things, except when it comes to fighting. Of course. Like, when he discovered that people's minds are like doors, because he took that literally, it was more easier for him to understand because it was a verbal cue versus, like, his entire life he had just saw doors as, like, an object. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Marshall. My fun fact tonight is um, libraries are still called book sanctuaries in my mind, and they probably always will be. It's my favorite thing. Last time, that's right, I'm copping out. Last time uh, on the Curse of the Green Sea, our pals decided to go on over to Clusion's home outside of Flanore, also known as Hearthworm Hall a sprawling cabin manor with Magitech lighting and eight bedrooms total. It contained workstations, uh, storage rooms, libraries, sorry, book sanctuaries, uh, kitchens, etc. Orifarne gave Alexander his journal. Jinhai asked for guidance with augury and was told a little weal, a little woe. A little more weal than woe. And the five of you six of you hello only five of you are here right now uh the six of you are gearing up to venture into flanor to discover the cerise nexus at the depths of the city 
Are you heading straight there? Are you doing anything else in the morning after you've woken up in this pretty warm cabin of Clusians? Orofine is probably just doing morning prayers, setting his weapons out on the floor, doing a quick prayer to have them blessed by you want to. And blessed they feel. <clears throat> feel Hurrah. the strength of the the god of the dawn and, and farming and war and light coursing through the weapons as you grip them. Marshall. I did look up those plants. Did I if I took like a little walk, unfortunately I don't think I would have found those during this time of year. So we can just move past yeah, that. Druidcraft. I mean, you could technically grow them. Technically, yes. So I was just, I was just letting you know that I did follow th- through that. I followed. You did your homework. That, but I do not have access to that piece of paper at this very second. That's okay. So I'm protecting my food from the cat. Yes. But you did follow through with it, and you learned what they meant. And on your walk, you could easily craft some up if you don't find any. Not too hard to do. Clushin actually adopted, like, five dogs recently. <laughs> Why did they come from the kitchen? Well, no one said he adopted them for companionship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Moving whoa. on. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bingo, bingo. <laughs> oh, no. Moving oh, no, on. No, no, no. <laughs> if you begin making your way toward Flanor, it's not a long journey, um, but due to the recent snowfall, it does take an additional 15 to 20 minutes on top of the average time. And you do set foot toward the gates of the city. You see these large, um, dark, wooden, reinforced with iron gates, kind of on rollers. And you haven't been here since you watched the malevolence take root and people returning and destroying things and killing one another and burning the city. As you look around, you do see that parts of the wall are still uh, charred. However, pieces that were totally encompassed by flames seem to have been replaced uh, with newer large wooden beams and trees uh, kind of spreading throughout to reinforce the wall. As you approach, you see uh, two figures standing outside, two guards. And they're dressed up in standard kind of fur-lined iron armor. Neither of them are wearing a helmet. Instead, they're both wearing padded kind of leather fur helms rather than like an iron helmet or anything like that. Uh, both of them seem to be armed with both bows and swords and shields. And they they look out to you and they say, Hail! What brings you to our fine city today? Tis no hell but heaven, friends. We are here. The Emerald Order. Perhaps you've heard of us. Each other confused for a second. They're like, yeah. We, we've definitely heard of you. Um, are you, are you needing anything specific in the city? Anyone you want us to fetch? Uh, 
What is your nature of your visit here? Is it pleasure? Is it business? I'll look over to Alexander. No, some of these guys, probably a little bit of both. Fair enough. Is there, um, <clears throat> we've recently installed a new system of communication. Is there anybody that you'd like us to, to gear up to meet with you or you just want to wander in? The, um, it would be beneficial if I was able to get in contact with, um, uh, Sarah. Did, did she ever give me her last name? The, the Magi tech lady that taught me stuff? She did not, but you know that she was a weather scientist. Right. Uh, Sarah, so the weather just... scientist. Um, not at this time. She, <laughs> she taught me how to uh, work with Magi tech and I wanted to um, ask her a few questions. Sure. You see one of them kind of step off to the side and like pull up his sleeve and begin typing something onto some kind of pad. You see him bring it to his face and say, uh, yeah, we need uh, Sarah Barker uh, at the front gate as soon as possible. The Emerald Order are here. Uh, he said they have could, some business with her. We could meet her somewhere else too. We wouldn't have to. Or they could meet you somewhere else as well if you'd prefer. Uh, perhaps we could send them to your lab. Done. Okay. You know, rolls the sleeve back down. He kind of opens the door for you both, uh, or both of them open the door for you all, and uh, you hear it kind of squeaking on the hinges <laughs> as it rolls to the side. And they say, uh, "Welcome to Flanor. Uh, I, I assume you know where uh, Sarah's lab is." Yeah, just up the hill. Shield. All right, perfect. Um, Go on in, uh, get some food, get warm. Uh, it's supposed to be a pretty freezing cold day today. Uh, try not to stay out for too long. It'll get you. Um, luckily, inside the city, at least, with the Magi tech that we've created, it should at least be bearably warm. Yeah, I'll show you in. Uh, you see the, the long, winding path up the mountain that leads to Sarah Barker's laboratory. Um, Clushin, you immediately recognize this building as well <laughs> as the former laboratory of Dr. Fittenweb that you had previously explored. <coughs> um, Alexander, you have not necessarily been in this specific laboratory, although you do recognize it from the last time that you were here. I realize I misspoke when I said that. That's okay. You guys make your way up. I mean, you had seen her previous lab. Uh, you make your way up the mountain. Uh, it's not an incredibly arduous journey, but it is slippery, and at times you have to grab onto some of the handrails that have been installed. And as you arrive at the foot of the tower, you see what appears to be an elevator with wrought iron kind of flooring a lever on one side and what looks like a mesh net that goes around the structure itself. This has got Sarah written all over it. Sure. You walk in, pull the lever, the elevator begins to rise, you hear the sound of chains clunking away, grinding against one another, um, and eventually you make it to the top of the, the plateau where the tower is located, and uh, you see this large stone tower that's missing a bit of the stones around the top floor that had been replaced with wood, as if there was a large explosion at the top. 
Um, and as you approach the, the, the apex of the elevator and step out onto the plateau, you see Sarah Barker standing outside the laboratory wearing a large coat and gloves and earmuffs. She gives you a wave and kind of waves for you to come on in. Inside you see the less mess of a lab <laughs> that you Clushin remember before. Looks like many of the broken windows and boards and things that just needed tidied up and replaced have been replaced and tidied up. Um, you see paper scattered all over the tables. You see a large fireplace against one wall that's just roaring with fire. Um, you can see Magitech crystals um, kind of up on the walls emitting warmth and light inside. It feels quite nice. And she stands before you and pulls her earmuffs off and takes her coat off and sets it on the couch. She says, um, what's, uh, what, what can I help you all with today? Good it's to good to see you, you Alexander. Well, in answer to your question is a little more complicated than, um, it may seem, although it probably is simple at the same time. But, um, she has a sitting room, doesn't she? Or does she have a sitting room? The or is it all interior lab? of this room is a large sphere um, with steps that kind of wind up to the higher floors. And so there are a couple of couches with a table, again, just lined with research papers and notes and stuff like that. Um, totally thought about the, how, to, how to approach this before and it's lost me because, you know, three weeks. You're well familiar with the, the whole prophecy thing, yeah? Yeah, I, I would say so. Well, within the last week, um, Shamsta here has returned. And in the last few days has been purified back into Aguskia. The expressions of shock and fear and then shock <laughs> cross her face. That 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 is a lot to take in. Um, I'm kind of looking over to where those couches are, and I'm like, then that's the easy part of this conversation. You see, um, Sarah Barker, who is roughly five foot nine, long golden blonde hair. It's kind of tied up right now uh, in a bun. She is a human, kind of pale skin a renowned weather scientist in Flanor who is trying to make the city more habitable and less likely to suffer negative effects of large scale blizzards and things like that, that push through the area quite often. Um, you know that she's been doing some work for the Torvalin uh, research center um, that she was supposed to be heading a new branch coming up soon called TPIB. Um, the Torvalin Paranormal Investigation Bureau. That's right. Uh, to investigate some of the strange happenings that were going down in northern Torvala around the border of Flanor and trying to figure out what exactly is causing these strange ghosts and creatures to appear. She sees you kind of look at the couch and she kind of nods and sits down and gestures for all of you to do the same. It's okay, so Shamsa here was 
brought back, defeated, and then resurrected as Iguskia, a sun god. Her brows are furrowed. Well, they're one and the same, but yes. You see her just like grab a piece of paper and start writing. <laughs> I just give then, her a brief lore dump on that whole research sure. chain. She gets up and like starts thumbing through some books as you're talking, and you see her like press a button on a machine, and a pencil begins just writing across the ba- the page everything that you're saying. I'm fascinated. You see her by like pencil. You see her look at it. And then she like frowns and adjusts the machine a couple times and like pulls the arms and like pushes it back in place. And she seems satisfied with how it's recording now. Continues to listen and, and also pull out some books. Um, so Aguskia was was resurrected. This is good news, I guess. Um, but what 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 does what do you need from me? What what can I do for you? So let me put it that way. <laughs> what can I do for you? The next point of you know the whole doomsday clock would be the uh, orcs rec- returning, and we've kind of made a a living off of crazy ideas. So we thought maybe instead of waiting for them to come, parlay with them at the pass. Hey, I could see. Why you would want to do that? Is that something that that can be done? Are they to be trusted? Or? Trusted would be a strong word for it. Seeing how no one has had com- contact or seen from them in a long time. She nods slowly. It would involve the series Nexus. You see her just kind of looking up at the ceiling and then as you say that just instantly cuts eyes to look at you she says um hence why i figured this was a little um more sensitive conversation it would involve the great furnace the three's nexus she like starts stroking her chin and i have a sneaking suspicion the um bureaucrats of the city would not take kindly to this idea well, the Great Furnace is what powers most of Flanor in terms of the heating uh, through the Great Ducts. And if someone were to open the gate, it could potentially cause enough heat to, to well, depending on if you open it far enough, it could potentially burn through anything in its path or... Conversely, we've speculated before that it could cause a great freeze. That the city's heat would just stop entirely. Hmm. How long would you need to have it open? Uh, to answer your first conundrum, size, I wouldn't make it more than a single person could fit through. We wouldn't want an armada coming through and flooding the city. Right, that... <laughs> Luckily, Flanor has been spared that fate, so hopefully we can continue. <laughs> we don't need any kind of strange armies coming in. And I'm not... I suppose the question would be, would you want to push someone in or pull someone out? 
I think the general consensus... Hi, uh, Orofarne, by the way, pleased to meet you. Um, Just nods. I, I think the general idea was to try to send an ambassador or few ambassadors through to try and a peaceful negotiation and then possibly come back now I don't have I don't have means of jumping through planes though so the return trip could be dicey oh you can't teleport back on with your medallion I've never tried it across the planes and I'm not sure if I want to find out well, I'm a whole lot less sure of this plan than I was of like this entire walk over here. Um, well, I mean, yeah, it looks like one way in, one way out, I guess. Because they would have to open the portal to let us back in, and if they open that portal, it's a guarantee that we are what comes through. I'm not exactly. sure. I'm not sure if the bureaucrats here, as in their infinite wisdom, would agree to that. Yeah, and if we have them leave it open, I mean, does it open straight to a, a war chief's throne room? Or are we going to have to walk for six hours from the middle of a uh, molten no, hellscape? You know, that's, have I really no have idea. no idea. Yeah. The only thing we know is that they have it monitored. So if it the minute helps, it opens, they're going to talk about it. Right. There is one in the city who knows and keeps records of these classified things. But I have heard whispers from some of my friends higher up that they did attempt around 40 years ago to open the Cerise Nexus. They sent a small group of six people down into it. Um, but it, it only three of them returned, and I, I don't know exactly what happened they don't really publicly acknowledge it probably nothing good would we have access to this person <coughs> like are are they a bit reserved which i would understand why um the, the person who keeps such records is um Kilia Elowetten, the, the librarian of the city. She's also the record keeper of the official council. Um, she is. Interesting. She could perhaps know uh, if you could convince her to tell you. I don't really carry that kind of weight. Um, do you know anyone else in the city who could potentially facilitate that kind of a conversation? DM, is this the same librarian that gave me the Nanites? I thought so. Yes. I um, kind of manifest them through the the, the magic tech glove and and make in such a way that she can Sarah can see it. Inter interesting enough, Kilia gave me access to these guys. I remember. So I do remember that. Yeah. And then I trained you. <laughs> well, if you could call it that, I mostly had you running some errands for me while I tried to get things done. But I, I did try. Tricks. Glad. I pull out the the um, sending stone, the little wristwatch thing. So I've learned a few tricks. Kind of inspects it and nods and with a slight smile. 
Well, if you're ever interested in learning more, um, I can't say I have the most time in the world, but I, I do intend to pass on as much knowledge as I can. It's our great goal here in the city of Flanor is knowledge and the pursuit of it. If you can find someone to get you close to Kilia, or if you potentially just waltz into the library and ask for her, maybe she'll be around. Um, having someone of military background and clearance may aid you in getting that information people who are sufficiently high enough in the military should have access to that kind of record. Unfortunately, I am just a civilian. But you're brilliant. That's why I thought a good lead to start with. She nods. Everybody told me that I always had my head in the clouds, and now that's my job, right? <laughs> Literally. Do you know any, any people here? Anyone who could help? The DM asks... To see mm-hmm. if anyone remembers their notes. <laughs> I feel like the answer should... Uh, uh, who was that... Um, I'm asking this to Clution and Dara. Who was that um, gentleman that helped us with the uh, Magi Tech heart we used on Varn? Him and I are both having the same look like... Uh, <laughs> I just didn't study for this test. Um because yeah, the other two yeah. weren't here for this test. I was X3. like, I don't yeah. remember. For this, test. this is not on the homework. Um, <laughs> this is like pop quiz. We're like, oh no, I didn't read the reading. <laughs> uh, it's almost yeah, like it's somebody cool. wrote a guide a long time ago that That's contained in there. important NPCs. It's it's in there. Oh, man, it's okay. Um, we found them at. Found Varn at the Burning Fall Tavern. It's Astir and Richter. There, there it is. Members of the 71st Magi Tech A Company. I say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sarah nods and says, um, actually, I, I've met the both of them before uh, and a couple other members of their squad. Uh, Asir and Richter no longer serve with the Magitech uh, company. However, they are still classified as military soldiers. As long as you're able to fight in Flanor, you tend to stay in the military, defending the city against all the dangers that are around. Uh, uh, If you want, I could extend a quick message to one of them um yeah just tell them the emerald order would like to talk with them sure i can i can do that i appreciate it really sir see her uh start to walk toward the stairs and she says it'll it'll just take a few minutes uh, make yourselves at home uh, if you'd like some coffee or tea there's a, a device near the the bookcase that will will give you whichever you prefer as soon as she leaves the room i'm trying to figure out how this uh recording hand pencil thing works (laughs) yeah uh it it has stopped um but you're looking looking at it and you're realizing that it it is seemingly voice activated and uh sorry Seemingly voice activated and 
will take down whatever it hears uh, to a point, although it doesn't exactly have the lexicon to write anything down. And so some right. words are best approximations. I just find the whole thing fascinating. A few minutes later, she returns and says, uh, Richter is, is busy at the moment, but Estier is on his way here. Uh, he said he'd be here in about 10 minutes or so. Said he'd be happy to take you down and uh, meet with you and, and catch up a bit. A few minutes later, you hear a knock at the door and Sarah ushers them in and you see Estir, a, uh an elven researcher, scientist, and soldier of Flanor. You see him, he's he's pretty lean cut. Um, he's looking a bit on the skinny side, like he's been throwing himself into his research again without eating as much. Um, his eyes are pretty sunken. He's got glasses on and a white coat. He kind of drink, drags down to the floor to his black boots. He steps in and kind of kicks them on the doormat. And he says, uh, hello, is, um, is that really all of you? Clutin... Uh, Alexander, Dara, people These I've heard new deeds of. I've heard deeds of them. I don't tell me. He kind of like taps his nose and he's like, Orifane and Yordarim. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. And it walks forward and like starts trying to shake everybody's hand. Like, it's and an absolute honor to meet you all. Don't don't act like that. It's not like we don't know each other. Well, the last I time I him. saw you, we failed. He kind of like scrunches his face and twists it to save the one man that was defending the town against all kinds of nasties, but succeeded. Kind of lets it hang as a question. <laughs> Succeeded. Much grander protection now, I think, is the good way to look at it. Whatever that was had some correlation, I imagine, to the outbreak of malevolence that happened shortly after. Yeah, but we survived. The city has survived. We are a bit more worse for wear, but we are here. That wasn't localized only here. I don't think that's just pure coincidence. Well, it's true, but it did happen moments after... Varn was resurrected, so I, I, we have to link things at least theoretically. You know, it is our hypothesis that there's something to do with with him that caused this spark of malevolence. Perhaps bringing a new god into the world upset some natural balance. I don't know. We're working on something. Uh, it's just we we try to understand things in a different lens. You know, what are you Damn. here for? Sorry, hi. What can I do for you? Are you here for business, for pleasure? Um, Sarah says that you you you, you resurrected the the sun, a, a sun god, I guess. Um, that's kind of like pauses and like shifts his head and waits. He's like, good, good news. Is that good? Well, he's, I mean, he's no longer trying to kill us all. So yeah, right. He's no longer trying to kill you all, but. 
is the same beast, I suppose. And our records of Aguskia do show him going off the handle at one point. But if he's fine now and cleared of his darkness, then that's probably fine. You see him just kind of like nervously wringing his hand over and over. Aguskia is made of metal and we... We put some fail safes in the manner of some stones inside to help. That 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 that's reassuring, at least. Now, pray tell what what is what is going on? Why why have you come back again? Not that I'm unhappy to see you, but I imagine you wouldn't just be here on holiday at this time of year. Well, speak for yourself. Um, we're tired tired of being behind the eight ball on the whole end of the world process. So, to head off the potential incursion, at least we w- would like to have a conversation with the orcs. And depending on the outcome of the conversation, assistance or genocide. It's a very good, um, lofty goal. Hopefully it could be so simple. Um, and what do you need from, from me? We imagine the... I don't... Speaking for personally, I don't want to put the people of the city under danger for using the Nexus without proper planning and proper preparation. Right. Okay. Um, So you're wondering how to open the Nexus without overloading the current system or underloading the current system and destroying it that tragic accident 40 years ago information on that could be beneficial in this instance um, I know normal civilians and much less outsiders could be privy to that information oh there if anyone has records of that that would be Kilia we could go down and I could potentially show my badge or I could stop into the government office and speak with the council and see if they would allow such a thing to begin with without needing to go through any hassle. Um, regardless, we're going to need their permission and their own specific tools and equipment to reach the Ceres nex- Nexus. I'd suggest we do that at the very end. Let's let's get our means first before we... Yeah, acquiring knowledge before storming would be incredibly important. Yes, I agree. Yes, we yeah. can definitely reach out to Kilia, and if it's not enough, then we can go to the council. Either way, we will end at the council, because we're going to need their special pressure eye suits and fire retardant suits if we're going to venture down into the Great Duct. Damn, so there's no, there's no just sneaking through if they say no without proper flame and pressurization you will be stamped out entirely I'm afraid or funny I don't really expect them to be extremely prudish about this if we can make a great case for them if we can get the information that we need and I mean, show them that this is valuable and worth doing yes Dara Oh, sorry. Well, ahead, I, yeah. I understand is what you're coming from is like what alternative route are you presented? Uh, I am 
aside from him, and I gesture towards Orifani because he's, well, his body is flame resistant, correct? Just correct. I don't know so, about that much, though. It's just a, a little less. So you you would, assuming that, like, is there any history, not to pry too deep on the individuals who went last time, but were any of them um, of um, a Mizoku background? Well, they were, um, he kind of looks at Sarah and narrows his eyes slightly, kind of just gets a feel for what she's told you. And she says, six people. And he goes, ah, um. Inside check. Flicks his lip. Inside check. Sure. He kind of like flicks his lip um, a little bit. I want to insight whether that number is plus or minus the actual. That's a 17. Well, you don't know whether it's plus or minus. You do know it's it's not that number. And as he's about to say, um, as he's flicking his lip, the public were told six. Um, it's actually nine who descended into the Ceres Nexus. Only three returned. Three of them were... <clears throat> and clears his throat. Clearly uncomfortable with it. And he says three of them were... Um, Failed experiments of uh, Anna, people that were supposedly going to be a bit more than human, who could have the strength of ten men, um, but they crumbled uh, extremely quickly from, from what I was told, and so the serum was not actually used. Afterward, it was discontinued and she was jailed. Uh, however, um, it was six scientists uh, slash military men and three supposed super soldiers who went berserk. And, uh, well, you'll find out more once we get to Kilia. That was Around that much. That was plenty of information. That's not what I asked. <laughs> <clears throat> Could you repeat your question? I said, did any were any of them of the Mazoku background? No, they were all humans. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you won't find many other than humans here. A few elves like myself, but largely, largely humans in this town. So, out of character, that was a large <laughs> Marshall just dropped a large bit of information from um, her. I didn't expect. So now I have to take that and process it. Chase, continue your thought, please. What thought? It's gone. It's gone. I'm. I'm. So. I was just gonna say, uh, if there were some kind of magical construct that close to that dense mana, it, it makes sense. Nods. Well. Uh, well, I, I suppose we just need to get to Kilia then. Um, I mean, I <clears throat> I think if we just present our case to your leaders as we're the Emerald Order, here's our resume, we're trying to save the world, give us all your shit, 
and let us do our job. Um, I don't know about ob- that. Obviously, a bit nicer, but I, I'm being <coughs> blunt around my people here. Um, I I don't see how they can resist if they are wanting um, good for their people and their city. Well, not only that, but either way, the city comes out ahead as the city where this happened. Either where they amicably made ties or ended the threat. Boom, exactly. Potential trade partners even, right? I mean, portal to hell, there's an amusement park, I guess, in the future. Who knows? But... Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But That's not the, that's not the point. I'm, I'm being positive. I'm looking at Yordi... <laughs> Like when you say hell, portable hell, portal to hell, and I'm like, I don't know if. As far as we know, this is not actually. Um, it looks at Dara. As far as we know, this isn't actually portal to hell, um, or at least one of the hells. It seems to be some kind of distant plane of fire that is not visible, at least in our sky. Uh, as you mostly know, I'm sure the the planes are typically visible in the sky. Each star and each planet represents either a plane or a god and their physical manifestations in our world. And they've been slowly being snuffed out, so we need to move. Many of them have, yes. Yes. Well, yeah, if this like isn't a portal to hell, it sounds like it's going to be a cakewalk. Just another door. <clears throat> With the right Just equipment, the it may door. very well be. Uh... So are you wanting to visit Kilia in the library, or are you wanting to go to the council? Probably uh, Kilia. Okay. Maybe she could even go to the council with us, if time permits. We need good rapport. I would recommend Kilia come along with us, as well as Richter. I can pull him from his duties. Um, we heard word that the great uh, pupil of Varn, Zelos, is coming to the city in the next day or so. Yeah. We asked for his aid as well. Uh, he could he could be here today or tomorrow. We're not entirely sure, but we are expecting him. Um, I feel all of us together could make some kind of good case. Um, we've slept, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have. yeah. Um, I'm gonna uh, two sorcery points, and I'm gonna um, mana cast the sending thing. Sure. The Varn. Um, and I'm... Uh, the Varn? To... Right. Or not Varn. Fellas. <laughs> Marshall's like, hold on. I was on. like, wait a minute. Hold on. Wrong, wrong name. Wrong name. Like, Zealous. Zealous. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, and, um, of course, you know, uh, using the, the weave to alter the spell's nature. Um, and I, it's just gonna, I'm just going to say, we're in the city. She doing mending, descending? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Prepare the spell so and say yeah. so we're in the city. Three points. Um, yeah. And you watch as a pebble from the floor rises and slams into the wall and goes, we're in the city. We're in the city. We're in the city. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it sometimes works. Sarah looks down at you and she's like, that's not something I taught you. <laughs> <coughs> Do you head to the Great Library? I shut up the rock and go to the library. 
taking the elevator down, you cross over the lower part of the mountain range that leads up to this this laboratory. Back into the city center itself, you see the large, uh, familiar fountain in the center of the square um, with a cherub and two small creatures kind of shooting water out of their, their mouths. Um, and straight ahead, you see raised up about five feet off the ground onto a larger plot of land, the large Gothic, um, hundreds of years old, once cathedral, now turned great library of Flanor, uh, from when this used to be a very religious settlement, now being a very a religious forefront of knowledge for the world. Uh, walking through the large rune-lined front doors, you see, uh, of course, the, the books everywhere, but you can see that large wings of the library have possibly collapsed or been burnt as there are sheet covers over entire hallways and corners and sections uh, not allowing you to see through. Uh, going up the, the main aisle of the library, um, again, knowing that this used to be a church, going to the large like pulpit and, and everything at the very front, you see the raised platform and a large rounded desk where you see a familiar snow elf uh, woman, just kind of her nose deep in a book, skimming through a few things, and then a, two more books next to her that she's writing in and referencing. She looks up to see all of you. Yes, what can I do for all of you? Nods it. Esther. Just this quick dump of our plot so we don't have to repeat it a third time. Sure. She's like fastidiously studying the entire conversation. And when you get to the, the point of the, the why you're here and your inquiry to learn about what happened and, and see those records, she says, uh, I'm not exactly allowed to give those kinds of records out to anybody who walks in the door. Um, regardless of military status, she kind of looks at us here. Um, however, if we were to ask one of the councilmen and they were to grant us special permission, I could show you the records. I shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes. I could request clearance. Just, yes, just to emphasize yeah. that it is of dire importance. Sure. You see her walk out and uh, walk into a chamber behind the large desk area. Um, you see a light and hear her kind of murmuring. And you hear the tapping of keys. And then she returns and says, right, um, well, the Emerald Order has been granted clearance to view specifically the files from 40 years ago. Uh, nothing more restricted than that, but that alone. If that would That's... suffice, I can um, bring you there now. That went a little too easy. Yeah, when you're dealing with the fates of entire worlds, yeah. uh, people tend to be a little bit more cooperative uh, than times of peace, I suppose. Yeah. Well, right this way, then. And she leads you down the uh, a side aisle that then takes uh, you down to this large iron door. She pulls out her keychain and, and 
jiggles them and opens the door. Then you see more runes lining it. You see a strange barrier, uh, and she kind of puts her hand against it, and you see it deactivate, and she allows you through. You walk down three sets of stairs until you're far below the large cathedral. It's turned library. Is this the, and the same barrier that prevented me to go from going through? The... It seems to be similar. Similar? Yeah, okay. it does seem to be similar to that. And it looks like she allowed it to grant you all access to get in. Um, you arrive at the foot of the stairs into a relatively lit room, uh, lit with soft kind of whitish blue lighting, um, empty tables, non-cluttered. You see smooth walls. All of it looks to be made of, of stone and, and steel kind of mixed together and blended nicely. It was like dark blue rugs with white designs on them. She walks over and uh, you see her wave a hand and pull out some keys. She rotates one of these large cabinets on the wall and it turns around and you can see many different scrolls and books and, and accounts. She begins rifling through them and pulls one over to a large table, gestures you to stand around and kind of lays it flat. <clears throat> and it looks like an old book preserved very well, uh, 40 years old, preserved almost pristinely. And she, you, you do see burnt edges on the book, but it does look largely other than that intact. She puts on some gloves and opens it gently. And she says, what would you like to know? Well, our goal is to parlay with them. General okay. hazardous information, what we can expect from them, what kind of temperaments. Okay. Then I'll, I'll much, skip some of the less pertinent things. As much as we can get on the accounts of the people who survived. Sure. You see her eyes. Their unfortunate circumstances may benefit this. You see her eyes scanning the pages and she says... A group of nine people went down into the Cerise Nexus, and six of them were killed. Three of them were the failed experiments of a Dr. Anna Wilton. And it looks like they went berserk. One of them went berserk before even entering the Nexus while they were traversing down the Great Ducks and ripped one of the respirators off a scientist. And it seems he choked to death on the sulfurous air. Hmm. Not a good way to go. And they restrained him. And eventually he calmed down as they entered into the portal. The book describes here... Uh, the handwriting changes as if somebody else took over, but it seems to describe a dark red landscape that is filled with rivers of blood fire in the sky it talks of enormous people not quite green but ashen perhaps thick rippling muscles that could tear any of their prey to shreds they were meant to observe according to this but one of the super soldiers became aggressive while they were watching and ran toward him 
begin attacking him. It shows that he was ripped in half, but that it seemed to calm down after that one had been dealt with and it noticed the others weren't threatening. Uh, it, it segments here into multiple days. It seems that they spent roughly a week on the other side. Roughly ten days top. On day three, one of the scientists perished. Said he went to take samples of the water, the dark red-colored, blood-like water. Something reached and caught him and dragged him under the surface. On day six, they put down one of the berserkers, the one who had previously attacked one of the scientists. Also on day six, it looks like one of the more soldiery scientists ran out into the to the village to try to make contact. They don't report seeing him again. On day eight, the last berserker succumbed to... They're not sure, but their hypothesis was that the serum backfired and not only made them more aggressive, but also was killing them. And it looks like another scientist and his friend went out to see in the village to see if they could find the other one who had ventured ahead on his own. Shows he may have been received well. They saw him having food with some of the orcish people. They tried to rescue him, apparently thinking that he was being held captive. And two more died. He was unharmed and let go. And on the ninth day, he and the last surviving members were pulled from the Nexus. They had a plan to scout for three days. Thought they said that it had been three days. They were pulled. It had only been an hour. Time moves differently there, we know that much. Is there a recount of this? A personal recount of this person that was in the orchestra village. They all, uh, she kind of like flips through the book again, sets it down, finds another scroll. It looks official. Kind of lays it flat and it's written in common. And she says, uh, it seems they all underwent extreme psychological duress during their time. One of them was driven mad from the experience of watching Six people die, I suppose. And the other two were having severe PTSD. Don't recognize their names. I only recently took up the, the activities of the Grand Librarian 15 years ago. Um, I doubt they'd be in a talking nature if they are still alive anyway. I can tell you there are nobody that I've ever met in this city. And if they're here, they are very secretive and no record of them. Inside check. Sure. That, you know, they're being truthful about not knowing the identities of these people. Oh, it's almost a natural 20 plus zero, but it's a 14 plus zero. She seems very... <clears throat> Professionally calm, but obviously disturbed about what she just read. <laughs> okay. 
Um, doesn't Thank seem you. like she's fabricating anything. She and and as well, you reading through it yourself in the common language, it doesn't seem that she is withholding any information that she knows. Well, Thank at you. the very least, it seems like if we go without hostile intentions, we'll be heard. They even seem fairly forgiving after having massacred the aggressor and then leaving the others alone. From what we know, Esther says, from what we know, they, 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 they were a very power-driven people who respected strength. And obviously from our own histories, we know that they detested weakness, but perhaps in the you know, 500 years that it's been that they've been trapped there. Maybe they've learned to leave weakness alone with no natural prey. It's been, been much more than that. If it had been only a few hours and they were for there for a week. That's true. You could That's probably true. at least eightfold that number, if not more. However long they were there, if they didn't have any natural prey to be weaker than them, then maybe it was bred out of them. I'm not sure. That said, we know now that if you want to hop through the portal, we should probably either leave it open only a few seconds or open it and close it and reopen it within a minute. You said it was three hours and it was ten days there, yeah? That's what the documents seem to suggest, yes. Maybe we should figure out the math to open it in 12 or 24 hours and then use that as our window. Whatever you would like to do is fine. Um, doesn't concern me too much at the moment, but I will you lobby the council on your behalf. You mind if I um, write down the, uh, the time conversion so I do not forget it? Please, I can't give you direct contact with the book and scroll, but I can open it and. Right, and I I just pull out my notepad, my um my um journal, and I just write. You know, they were gone for three hours, and they were in there for ten days. Time to do some quick maths, everybody. <laughs> Roughly eighty hours. Yeah. Per hour. Roughly one hour in the material world is 80 hours in their world. Oh. Damn. Assuming a standard 24 hour day exists in our fantasy Dungeons and Dragons setting. <laughs> right. You tell us, this is your world. Which it yeah. is. So. Essentially, uh, the portal needs to be opened about 15 to 20 minutes after we go through. And that would give us 24 hours in there. Steer nods and crosses his arms over his white coat. I think that we can make that happen. Um, that, that seems like a relatively short amount of time. And in our world, of course, and if we can agree to lobby the council to, to, to open it in the first place and, and allow you through, hopefully we can... Have it reopened in 10 to 15 minutes, maybe? That should be plenty of time, I would hope. I mean, maybe even five, honestly. If we hit past the 
two-day mark and it's not been open, we'll assume something went wrong and try to find our own way out. It also might not hurt to... I mean, I don't know how, how difficult it is to open or close it on your end, but maybe to just incrementally give it a flash open after that time period because even if you just open it for a second whoop, whoop, that'll give us 10 minutes time. time you know yeah. I mean without doing any math there but you know the um, tricky part would be whoop, whooping it without overloading the entire system uh, what if instead of closing it completely you shrunk it down to a size no person could fit through What? No, we don't really have the magical capability here to do such a put thing. That, put that bag in another bag. bag Remember, we're not exactly... We aren't exactly mana-based sorcerers here or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're magi tech, so we are limited in some regard. We can open and close it, but remember, each time we open it, as this conversion shows, if we open it for... You know, an hour, that would be 80 hours of energy coming through the portal. And we don't right. want to overload the system that we've very delicately built. Through. Right. So I think pulsing it, the womp womp, uh, wouldn't necessarily be a, a bad idea if we could do it and time it in such a way that it would allow you to return without overloading the system. Uh, we can figure out that math on our end. Um and maybe some type of um, synchronized clock. That would be wise. With that conversion in mind, it runs slower, runs faster here, normal there, potentially. I'm sure between Sarah and some other minds here, something could be whipped up pretty quickly. Yeah. I'm sure we can figure something out. For now, we should we should lobby against the council and see if they would grant us access and to the rebreathers and suits. Right, a plan to go in with to the councils. All I was thinking of. Okay, that note, you'll head up the great library steps, back onto the main floor, and Kilia. Uh, puts a little sign on the desk that says, we'll be back soon. <laughs> and then leads you um, a seer in the group, all of you out of the room. Uh, you see Sarah Barker kind of walking up to the library and you see next to her is Richter, um, a relatively muscular human male wearing a navy blue coat with a red scarf and a white hat. Um, doesn't seem to have any weapons on him. He's just kind of like got his hands in his pockets, just chatting with her, and he looks up and sees everybody, and he says, oh, hey, how's everybody doing? It's been a few months. It's good to see you guys. Uh, I've heard about you guys as well. Uh, Yordi, yeah. Orofarni. But all this? You. this is Richter. This is Richter. The yeah, other scientist that, that helped okay. uh, to resurrect Varn. 
This was it's, it's, one of the two that made that heart that you were talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the two that, that helped put it in him with Gavik. Because they had made the heart, but they hadn't figured out how to do the transplant. Okay. And then that heart failed. So that oh, that's right. The, that heart failed, and we had to use the, the big boy yeah. crystal. Yeah, had to use right. the big boy crystal. <laughs> TM. <laughs> <laughs> the activated amaranth core core yeah and, i don't see how this could go wrong at all crystal yeah, yeah. he says uh sarah filled me in on on what's going on for the most part um are you heading out now to the council we are probably yeah that's what we were planning on doing good 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 um my old man is actually sitting on the council this year, so I really don't see this being much of a hassle at all. Uh, he knows me. He has heard of you. He's actually quite a big fan of some of the work that you've done. You heard about Slaver's Roost? What all have you heard of us doing? Just out of curiosity. Well, I mean, we've heard about Slaver's Roost. We've heard about Shamstahir. Now we've heard about Aguskia. That's pretty big. We heard about the Baroque Muda. You became the champions. That's super cool. And that was only in the span of about 10 days. What, so A month, maybe. That's yep. a good month for the Emerald Order. <laughs> well, my, Like I said, my father is incredibly impressed with your work. And actually, he... I shouldn't say this, but he uh, intends to ask for your help on a job. Later on, we've had a lot of Yukiana and other strange sightings near the town of Flanor recently. Things that we previously had thought were only folklore of the Snow Elves have been resurfacing. Um, but that's not necessarily something you need to concern yourself with, but he has you on the mind already, and that is good bargaining power in case he's hesitant. Uh, as we're walking, I fill them in with all the finer details of the plan we've discussed so far, leaving out the more sensitive bits that prying eye ears I don't we don't want hearing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. He listens as you guys make your approach. Um you see going up the, the stairs of the city, uh Flanor being a very tiered kind of city, um with a large gaping hole in the very center. Like a meteor had slammed into the city long ago, almost like a large crater. Um, some had speculated previously that there would be like lava at the bottom, like a, an old volcano inert, perhaps, who knows. Um, either way, there is a large institute built in the very center of it, hanging by great chains on all sides of this crater. Um, and as he takes you across this wobbling chain bridge leading up to this enormous structure, uh, he says, you've mostly uh, have, if you look down, you'll see that most of the crater has actually been covered at this point uh, in ductwork. We've kind of disguised it to look a little bit more natural, but this is actually the great ventilation ducts of the city. I don't know if any of you have been up here before. I don't want to feel like a tour guide. That's kind of dumb, actually. Uh, but it basically gives heat and power to to large swaths of the city and keeps us warm in the eternal 
freezing fucking cold. Uh, down there is where you will find the Great Furnace, which is what lay people call the Cerise Nexus for safety reasons and for simplicity. As you approach the large building, you see that it's made of what looks like obsidian with gold trim all around the building and vaulted glass. And he takes you through the, the doors and you see um, two large black marble staircases that rise up the sides of the room and then a humongous uh, platform hanging in the center. And directly there, you see six seats, all of them empty. Um, he kind of nods and says, this is where many matters of the city are heard, where people ask for grants and funding and, and all of that in this large chamber. Uh, my dad's office is back here. We're going to need to get the whole council's approval, more than likely. Um, but... We can at least start with him, grab him to get everybody and, and just go with it. And and how many are on this council? Six. Uh, well, technically seven. Um, but the seventh seat is probably never going to be filled, and so they've removed the chair. I see. Yeah. It's in honor, I suppose, and in warning of the patron saint of Flanor. Um, his, his history check on that? Sure, go for it. Okay, let me get him. So they retired Kobe's number. <laughs> Real, I feel like you said what the, that is, but I can't remember. It's rolling. Fifth, I know you've uh, said it. 15 plus 8 equals 23. 23. You know that long, long, long ago when the city was first founded, it was founded by the Torvalin Empress Alondra Kassara. A-L-O-N-D-R-A-K-E-S-A-R-A. -A -A. Uh, exactly how it sounds. Founded by the Empress Alondra Kassara widow, or so she thought, to the Torvalin king at the time. She and her family uh, heard news that the emperor had been killed fighting the dragons during the dragon war. And in a fit of rage, she smashed the statues and defaced them in their house of the gods. And the gods responded in kind by striking the tower that they were in with lightning. And the tower fell into the sea and the entire country thought that they died. The king returned home later, uh, as history shows, completely devastated that his family was murdered. And in an act of insanity slash his own way of trying to keep people close, decided to unite all the human lands into Torvala, creating a massive sprawling empire that eventually collapsed and fractured into Boderia, Stalbrook, and Torvala. However... The Empress and her two children escaped, but were cursed. One of them was cursed with eternal life as her flesh began to peel off their youngest daughter. Their son was cursed to become the first ever werewolf. And Alondra herself was cursed to become the world's first vampire. And she moved north, created a new town called Mournhold. Uh, it was a large castle estate where she sought to seek a cure for her family 
where she eventually learned of her husband's life not being taken, essentially. And uh, she sought a cure out for her children, didn't care about herself. So she created a whole town about knowledge and seeking advancements in science and medicine. This isn't the same vampire hold we're supposed to go clear out, is it? No. No, no, no. Okay, good. um... Mornhold is Flanor. Oh. Mornhold is Flanor. You also know, just fun random facts, that her daughter, the one that was innocent and skeletonized (laughs) that she was seeking a cure for, was actually communing with the dead and that every imaginary friend that she created, she created pulling souls from the afterlife and placing them in skeletal bodies and eventually kind of went crazy because of it and tried to start this huge like skeletal takeover. So she was put down. The son saw the sins of his father in his grief and decided that he was going to put an end to his father's tyranny. And so he killed the emperor and became the next emperor of Torvala, hiding his secret of being a werewolf. Um, and Alondra supposedly is still alive, but exiled from the city. You're not entirely sure why, but you've heard that this is why the seat is empty and removed. Maybe it was her lust for curing her children that led her down some dark ways. And the city eventually kicked her out and was like, hey, you don't actually represent what we're here for. So I'm going to tangent on you. So, old Sunday game. Is that the chick that we met right there at the end? Sure is. She's still in the city. Hot damn. Okay. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, that's why there's an empty seat. <laughs> Missing seat. Very cool. Okay, thank you. He leads you down a pathway of corridors to an office room. He sits you down uh, around a large table. Disappears for a couple minutes and returns with a very stout, uh, not fat, but not thin man. Do you know what I'm saying? Like skinny fat. Um, With a big old brown mustache and mutton chops and long hair that's kind of in a ponytail, kind of dirtily thrown to the side. Um, And (laughs) I'm not talking about Bill. I was like, hold on, should I be offended? He's got got some like black spectacles. You have a seat on the council. He's got some black spectacles as well. Uh, (laughs) And he's wearing long, like, red robes. He he comes out and he's like, you must be the uh, amazing Emerald Order that I've heard so much about. My son says that you're here for access to the Cerise Nexus. Is this the case? That is exactly the case, my good man. Kind of slams his fist on the table. I could make that happen. I could make that happen tenfold if you prefer. Uh, this is to save the world, is that correct? Am I correct in assuming that this interaction you're seeking to have with these these orcish, brutish men is to bring them into the world, perhaps, to help us fight against Amira? And the ever-present threat of that omniscient, worm-like creature that soars through the galaxy. 
Orofarne matching this level of intensity. He says, <laughs> my good man, this is nothing short of that exact statement and assumption that you just presented to us. He throws his hands up. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. What do you need? What What do I need to convince the others, actually? Um, not even, oh, I'm not even going to worry about it. That's fine. We get, we get one, we, uh, we get, we get one a year where we can decide to do something without their approval, as long as it's not immediately vetoed. Uh, I can use mine on this because this is important. But don't start with They'll that. probably agree, I'd but I'm not sure that I want to wait because sometimes these councilmen can take weeks at a time and half the time they're on holiday and not actually at their stations. Two points. One, we're not on a super long timetable, but not on a super, super, super short either. Two, I'd rather not make an enemy of the city. Enemies of the city you would not be. Uh, if nothing else, you would be, be heroes who have defeated Shamstahir and, and put an end to the nightfall that was plaguing this city for, for the few days that it did. <laughs> Wait, the nightfall ended when we... The, well, the I nightfall sprang said... up! Recently, and we heard that Shamsahir had returned, and suddenly the sky had shot through with dark veins almost across the stratosphere, and then began raining down strange particles, black in nature, not quite settling on any kind of shape. We, we of course, learned from Kilia, and he kind of nods to her, that this was actually called Nightfall across the globe. Marshall, do you know what you sound like? The guy that goes... Our Lord Satan. Oh um, God! Bowser, Bowser Vids. There you go. Yeah. I love it. Um, but we defeated him. Uh, you did. So I, I don't think it would be an issue. I don't think it would be at all uh, remiss of me to say that you could totally have anything you need. Defense on the lines outside of the Nexus would be paramount in case things go tits up. The defense is what we specialize in at the Scarlet. Or, sorry, I misspoke. At the Cerise Nexus. We have automated ballista. We have uh, men-at-arms. We have all kinds of systems in place. We'll even collapse the entire damn thing if we need to. I'd rather not... I'd rather not as well, but if worse comes to worse and people start trying to come out into our city, we know for sure we're going to collapse the great caldera of Flanor. Orfarni just puts his hand on this man's shoulder and he like looks to the group and says, My entire life, I have had such a hatred towards bureaucrats, but this man, I believe, is changing all of that. He is willing to... You can't remember half of your life right now anyway until we fix that. <laughs> he just pauses with an open mouth. You already I have the most, most shitty grand. I just Puts got a hand on your hand and he's like, Alzheimer's, is that right? It gets all of us at some time or another. How old are you? You look like you're maybe 60, 70 for Mizoku. He just like pulls his hand away and says, <clears throat> um, Damn. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> almost 60. Um, or is this well, arcane in nature? Perhaps? Yes, yes, it is. It's ah, not even natural. better, even better, even better. That's something that you could potentially remove in we time. We can fix, but I'm just fucking with you. Anyway, I think I am going to run and I'm going to find two other councilmen. And if we can get three out of six, we got the vote. And then I don't even have to use my special powers. 
He doesn't have to go. He's super probably is he already, already moving? I'm like, is he already? He's probably moving? already gone. <laughs> he's getting ready to move, and he hears you go ah, and he's like, turns to you, like, do you have something? No, it was just uh, quite odd of you to just be have all that information. The word Let's see how it's odd at all. You? How do you? How did you gather that so quickly? Well, the nightfall afflicted our city, so I knew that that was a thing. We knew about Shams to hear. His word travels extremely fast when prophetic demons of the other world begin infiltrating and destroying things all around you. It takes like a really deep breath. <laughs> She's like, <sighs> and beyond that, the Emerald Order has known all the world over at this point. You're the champions of the Broken Muda. You waited Slaver's Roost. You've destroyed Shams to hear and reinstated him as a Guskia, the god of the sun. Yes, but how did you get? How did you acquire that information? Word travels. <laughs> from who? <laughs> from all over the place. But from we, who? You see, we are very connected to the events of the world. We have friends in all places, especially one who has a shrine outside of a town named Vilimir. There it is. Word travels sense. very quickly. He, he sent word immediately of the things that you have done, and the world has been watching, and the world has been preparing, and by golly, I can tell you that most of us are more than willing to help. Okay. I just was so confused with the source. For a second. By golly. <laughs> <laughs> and by golly, most of us are willing to help. Will Avatar Korra make it through the mountain? <laughs> or will she succumb? <laughs> Stop it. Succumb to the Nightfall. <laughs> oh, oh my, I love it. My God. All right. Uh, thank you. I was just I was just clarifying your source, but that's that's go in haste. Please. You don't have to tell me twice. He leaves. Richter kind of throws up his arms and he's like, ah, that's my dad. Um, that's my dad. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he's a bit much. He's exhausting. He's yeah. willing to tear down the city to do this. So this is just, this is fantastic. <clears throat> well, he's, um, he doesn't exactly want to lose everything again. So he's willing to do things like this to ensure that people don't die needlessly. Um, you're fairly decent with math, right? I'm okay, yeah. Uh, let's figure out this conversion real quick, that way we're armed with that information. And sure. obviously not going to actually do that, just so that we have that for RP later. Yeah. He says, sure, and he pulls out a pen and paper, and he's like, okay, you said one hour, 80 hours, blah, blah, blah. Fade away, yep. I'm not doing that math right now. Yep. <sighs> To quote L.A. Noir, take a smarter man than me to figure that out. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, essentially just multiply it. But he figures it out with you. And in the meantime, you see his father return. Uh, he, he's very stout, kind of stout, but thin and chubby man walks in and he says, he says, uh, Slaps a paper down on the table, and it looks like a long document with like six signatures on it, and a royal, not royal, like a, a national seal of Flanor. And he says, uh, "My golly, we've only gone and done it. Every single one of you are going down there, and uh, it's going to be great. You're going to go down to the Cerise Nexus. You're going to meet with the Kadori, and maybe or maybe not, you're going to come back. But either way, we're going to get some answers, possibly." What? I don't know. I'm not quite sure what you're doing, but I do know that I support it. And so do the other five members. You've got our full approval. What we're trying to do is either bring them into the fold to help us in the fight or end them. 
I'm surprised the others didn't ask. <laughs> My circuits are overwhelmed with the speediness and yet hastiness of this man. Like I told you, most people here are willing to support you pretty much no matter what, as long as your interest is in helping the world. Is this like a we situation with the Bugs Bunny hour? Um, yeah. <laughs> Helping so. the world. Um, is this a good thing? Is this a good thing? It's like, this I'm doing my part. Um, it's too I'm optimistic. just assuming... I'm assuming we haven't drugged the extras that we are, are <laughs> been traveling with us through all of this. We but left them at him. the house or something. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, yeah. So I informed him of the added people. And are all of you wanting to go down into the Cerise yes! Nexus? Or are only some of you going? Because that'll determine how long we have to leave the portal open as well, just so you're aware. I if the conversion rate is an hour to 80 hours, then perhaps... It would be wise to either send you off in short bursts or send only a few of you rather than the entire ten of you. It's more than one well, I mean, would it really only take, would it need to be that much different? I mean, if we could all shuffle in within the span of like five or ten seconds, I mean. Well, ten seconds would be several hours. What? What? I thought, no, I thought three hours was like... Or several minutes, sorry, 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 several minutes. Yeah, yeah, I misspoke. I mean, Coleman trying to do the math, mm. was that like that lady... With basically, <laughs> basically, from my very basic understanding of this, less than one second would be an hour. <laughs> That's so fast. Okay, so... <clears throat> yeah... Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to need at least one second per, per person. So, I mean, <laughs> you just, uh, wait a minute. We could just simplify it and say every second is an hour. Let's just simplify it right there. So you're okay. saying that we're going to be popping in us every hour. Like one person has to sit there in this place alone for an hour. A steer is like, uh, uh, that, that 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 is what it, it sounds like. Yeah. So just um, don't leave the spawn first. point. Or we could try <laughs> to make it a little happen. bit wider so that a few of you can go in at once. But 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 if we do that, then perhaps it opens it up if there are armies on the other side to you know swarm through, and then we have to collapse the whole thing. What if we just do groups of two? I think that's a nice little in the middle. <clears throat> that 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 could be fine. Um, We're ready two. to bolt. I mean, surely two could get through in a second. If we program it to be to to arrest, we could potentially get you through. How many are, are going through? All of you and the extras, or just all of you? Okay, but I think when you talk to um, Zelos and see if he, he wants to, that's that's my concern. Is that the the atmosphere that we're going into? Do we even have enough equipment? We have enough respirators for 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 eight. Uh, one of them was irrevocably destroyed in the the. Um, You're giving us the respirators, respirators that were given to the previous party. What would you rather me do? Create brand new ones out of thin air? I unfortunately cannot do such a thing. <laughs> uh, we have eight perfectly good respirators. Um, one of them is very damaged. Is the air down there the only issue, or is heat? As well? The air and the heat. Realistically, we have enough heat shields for, for, for at least 
12 people or so. But you have to imagine that some of those people are going to be going down and possibly staying on the other side to guard the area. So. Um, DM, the, the light bulbs are finally going off in <clears throat> Alexander's mind, remembering the effect that was first put on the necklace about allowing to breathe. Water. 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 Okay. I couldn't remember. That's why I was wanting to clarify that because my, my brain was spinning. <laughs> yes, it was water breathing. Upside down fishbowl over your head. Like, I'm good. I, oh I, my I, god. That's, I mean, and then and then you know the the ash and sulfur begin to pour in and uh, start suffocating. <laughs> I mean, it just turned into sulfuric acid, but anyway. That's terrible. Yeah. On this week of of shit, my D&D players did. (laughs) Put a fishbowl over my head and went down into the lava. Also, the (laughs) fishbowl explodes. (laughs) Right. Water inside begins to boil your face. What a way to go. (laughs) What a way to go. Just turns my head into a block of obsidian. Like I said, we have enough respirators for eight of you. Um, if you would like to take eight people down, remember that at least she kind of like sighs a little bit. You are going to need a guide down there, unfortunately, and we still only have eight respirators. That is the other issue, I suppose. So it'll probably be the six of us if Zealous wants to go in the guide. You need at least one guide. So if you if you are okay with taking a group of seven, that's fine. But we will need one person to be the guide. And that one person kind of reaches over and slaps his son on the back. Oh and Richter's like, I did not sign up for that. That, dad? Uh, it'll be fine, boy. What are you afraid of? A little bit of heat? It's like a little bit of heat that... Do you realize the temperatures that, that range at the bottom of the... You don't. You, you don't. Never mind. I'm not even going to waste my time. <laughs> If I'm going to be your guide, I am demanding a respirator and a retardant coat. There's just no way I'm... I'm... <laughs> I wouldn't go down there on the best of days. Okay, so let's figure out... How long out... does this spell last? I need to find how long a spell lasts. I don't think it's very long, though. How don't many worry, Ricky, we got you. All of us. Okay. One minute, that's unfortunate. So assuming we have Jen with us, even though Jackson isn't here with us tonight, um, correct? Right. Yeah. Then all of us plus the guide. That's seven. Uh, no, that's just seven. So. Zelos. Yeah, and then Zelos. I was like, if what's Zelos the point in Zelos bringing their friends? If they can. I thought he was coming by themselves. I had asked if they uh, like if he had any connections to help us, but since now we're limited, there's no really point in having like on the other side, yay, but sure. We're gonna have to reconvene with Zealous to see if they're like he's okay going through with everyone. So uh, you give it some time, I imagine kill some time in town, catch up with some of the people that you've met. And after about two hours, a familiar figure walks into the hearth. There's the the bar here. Walks into the hearth. A steelborn 
wearing a large kind of wide-brimmed hat, uh, black kind of, uh, 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 what's, what is that called for men? A yukata. A sombrero. Yeah, wearing like a black yukata that's open in the front uh, with a couple of swords at his hip. You see Zelos walk in uh, with his red eyes. He kind of just sits down and orders a drink. (laughs) He's always been like this. What are you talking about? No, he said a black hat. And he's like, what's the thing the men call? And Coleman said sombrero. And I'm like, okay, sombrero. You've got to change it to a poncho. A sombrero. But he has to be like a JoJo character. So he's got like a sombrero, but it's got um, uh, maracas like dangling down all around it as well. Yeah. Oh, my. So anyway, uh, he orders a drink and then kind of looks over at all of you and gives you a nod. Um, gets up and comes and sits with you. Give him the lowdown so, of what we just discussed. And, all uh, of it, yeah. What does he So think? you want me to assist you in the Cerise Nexus, is that correct? It, it's if you want to. I mean, it doesn't come without its own risk. I know that you I would to think Sorry. that Perhaps more so it could cause issues for myself and for Dara. Um, however, if they wish to proceed, then I will accompany them. I do not want uh, you to... I want you to assess that risk seeing what we spoke of uh, prior to leaving. It's uh, more you that I'm worried about. You are made of partial wood. And this is a realm of fire does have a point there. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I thought we were going to have the retardants on. So. Well, if you keep your suit securely fastened, you may not have issue. But if your suit in particular is breached, you may have more issues than the others. Can't I So just... be careful. Well, couldn't I just... Like our... Um... From the knowledge, Marshall, that we've gathered, I'm assuming that Dara would know that this place is so hot, it wouldn't matter if there was water. They could not infuse it. So is it the realm that's hot or the duct that's hot? Yes. That was yes to both. No. (laughs) Zello says, Zello says, uh, I have been down into the subduction vents, but I have not been on the other side of the portal. It is blisteringly hot at the bottom. Uh, Dangerous for those of my kind to remain for any length of time. Uh, I felt even bits of myself beginning to soften, even through the flame retardant suit. Well, Dara, you have a grey water tank in you, so do you think it's just like <laughs> absorbing the liquid absorbing the li- absorbing the liquids and making you semi fire proof yourself? Well that's what I've been thinking of is how if there was an obstruction on the suit, how would I seeing we're gonna be there several hours, how how I Well, perhaps with the suits we will be okay. Honey, where yeah, is maybe my on the other side, suit? it's not as hot as the bottom of the Nexus. True, if the other side is cooler than the great subduction vents, then we would perhaps be okay. It is very concentrated heat in one area down there. 
It may still feel as if we were stepping into a large brick oven, but perhaps it would be more bearable when there is open space around us. Uh, perhaps as well. Uh, I, I know. That's just the hounds of the hearth. Don't worry about it. Perhaps as well. I know Alexander has it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Clusion has it. It's the hounds of the hearth. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Clusion and Alexander both have it. Uh, The prestidigitation spell. Um, You could cool the suit internally with the spell. Would you not be able to? At least to lessen the effects of the fire on our well, metal friends. That could last for an hour, and I could target three. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to keep popping it. It's a cantrip, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Hypothetically. But, but what I'm saying is, it's not a very large surface area. Like, yeah. maybe placed on the core of your person that way, What is whatever it is that keeps you running stays cool that could work or if the two of you each do it onto one place you know one hits the head one hits the center mass you know well we can have up to well six targets technically total you don't need to worry about me i will be fine you're all kind of nods resolutely (laughs) inside check Twenty-six. Does he really think he's going to be fine? He has confidence in himself and his abilities and the things that he is has learned. Is it bravado or confidence? It seems to be confidence. Probably confidence. Okay. Like an unwavering sense of confidence that killed. he can take care of himself. Remember, he did train under Varn. Right. He's got a few tricks up his sleeves. So and he I'm, does have I'm, sleeves. He's got pretty big sleeves with this Yukata. <laughs> I'm presuming our guard, our guide, probably will not go through the portal with us. That would be probably suicide on his part. Richter just kind of looks and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm staying on this side, <laughs> yeah. and I'm going to be leaving as soon as you're down there. I'm not waiting around. Are you kidding me? I might wait like five minutes, which maybe will be more than enough time, but." If it's not, I'm not staying. That's way too hot for me. (laughs) Like, I've been down into the Aladani swamps where it's sticky and hot and filled with mosquitoes, and I've been in these subduction vents, and I would rather take my chances in the Aladani swamps (laughs) fighting disease and alligators. Yep, that's fair. It's not fun when people get assigned to work on the vent system. Uh, More than not, people die of heat stroke. I am so confused about the construct of this system to this. It's a giant furnace. So, so basically, look, basically it's a portal and they built a machine around it. And then they took that machine and they vented the heat out of it, which at times was like causing huge issues in the city and causing like eruptions and shit like that. They vented it now out of primarily because they have to. But secondly, because it can heat the entire city. They've made a furnace out of a rift in the I was like, planes. they yeah. made a furnace out of the great a furnace. portal. 
almost like they call because it. It's not really a portal. It, it's 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 a, a ley line that is constantly open a sliver. And even in that tiny sliver, it emits enough heat that the entire area is like boiling. So they have to vent it away. Why the fuck would they build a city around that? Because it's hot in the middle of a freezing cold area. How would you build a city in a freezing cold area? Because you're an undead lich, essentially an undead vampire trying to survive in a world that wants to murder you (laughs) and your children who you're trying to save. (laughs) Okay, so now that we've got the history check in the background, now it all makes sense. Okay, Uh, in some way. My brain just can't, like, I, I can just envision me thinking about this as I'm Dara sitting there trying to calculate all of this and then determining whether it's worth going down in the duck but all of my friends are going down in the duck. Ducked. Duck. <laughs> We're not talking about Jun. <laughs> um, DM, the speaking of the ley lines, I'm just going to close my eyes for a minute and then feel into the weave. Can I feel the ley line around us? You feel a heightened sense of power. Not necessarily magic, right. but power in this area. You can't pinpoint it, you can't trace it, but you definitely feel the condensed power of the spot. Very innately. Then you know that this is not, as you do this kind of sensing, you realize that this is not necessarily part of the weave, mm-hmm. but part of the fabric of this plane entirely. Like the natural magic of this plane. Just the natural layout, yeah. Hold up. What if the Kadori come in and then and then our atmosphere is not like their atmosphere and then they die? Then they're not strong. <laughs> we problem <laughs> fucking solved, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean And we'll take credit it's for it. It's not entirely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> then we they can't this. come back and I mean Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it'd be that easy. I was just curious about that. I was thinking, well, you know, like there any other matters that we need to attend to before I guide you down into the subduction vents? What do y'all think? I, mean, I don't. I don't. I think we're clear. If I burn up, then bye, Dara. It's been a great two years. Bye, Dara. Fucking ducked. Bye, Dara. That sounds good to me. Can't you give yourself resistance to stuff? I mean, I've been looking, but. I can give myself resistance to throws. I don't think I have like a resistance Pokemon? to yeah. like saving, saving yeah. throws. Yes. If, if you start taking damage, we can we can start healing you too. So. <clears throat> well, I'm not sure if we can heal melting damage. Yeah, what a way to die. We're talking about that fishbowl. I mean, you're literally just going to be Anakin. <sighs> Stop. At the end of it. No. You make your way to the outskirts of the subduction vent. This is a maintenance area that leads you down. Uh, it's kind of outside the city a bit. Richter walks in, uses his key, opens the door. Uh, you see like a small room lined with lockers. Each locker has some flame retardant suits and rebreathers. And uh, he kind of shows you how to put them on. These suits are... Not exactly top of the line. Uh, they're non. 
they're largely non-Magi tech. There's a little bit of Magi tech in them, but largely enough, they are just like flame retardant suits. <laughs> um, they are kind of heavy. They're kind of awkward. Uh, if you can remember Breath of the Wild, the suit that you get when you go into the Goron city that almost looks like an old like night suit with like huge padding all around it and everything. It's kind of similar to that. Uh, the helmet that you're wearing has a slot that's like very uh, rectangular, which the rebreather slots into and allows you to breathe in the awful, awful air down there. He kind of gets suited up and uh, his voice is kind of muffled a bit. And he's like, uh, Okay, are you uh, are you all suited correctly? Uh, I'm going to do an inspection to see if anybody is uh, lying behind on this. You see him begin I'm inspecting. Probably struggling with the heft of it, if we're being totally honest. And he looks at Clution and he says, uh, uh, "Clution, look, uh, buddy, you're gonna you're gonna have to put those bugs away. They're not gonna be able to penetrate this suit, and if they do, uh, I don't think they're gonna live for very long. Uh, so you can't leave a slot for them. I'm sorry to say, unless you've got some heat resistant bugs that can uh, help patch that hole up in the background. Oh my God, where is Chad? Chad." <laughs> It's not gonna fit. Oh, he's, he's just bones. He's just bones. Bones can still burn. Yeah, I was about to. I don't. I don't want. Are you bringing him? Or are you leaving him somewhere? I don't know. I'm I scared think... of leaving him somewhere, and then we will come back. We might need to we'll trade him. My... Use him as a bargaining chip for the orcs. No. Leave, <laughs> leave him at Clution's house. Guaranteed to go back there. Yeah, just tell Sarkis, pop Sarkis out, tell Sarkis to take him back to Clution's house. And Jeannie can take care of him. It's like when you get the dog and fall out, and you're like, I know you can't die, but you're not coming <laughs> with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm That's not. Fair. Okay, we'll just say for the story's sake that we did that already, like that I yeah, knew yeah, that yeah. we he were going him. in the dog, and I yeah. left him to stay yeah. there in the keep safety secret, of the house. Keep him safe. Okay. Richter, would you mind holding on for three to six hours while we run back <laughs> and do something real quick? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I will like try to seal my suit up, I guess. Sure. Whatever. Kind of helps you with entails. a couple of the zippers and flaps and then like mm. Surely securely you got some scorpions or something. I don't need a ventilator. I, so. I still don't think they would survive. Uh, you, you don't need a ventilator? Okay. Uh, then that frees up a ventilator from you, sure. Uh, I'm assuming Zelos, you don't either? And he's like, no. <laughs> he doesn't have one in. He's just standing there like, no. Uh, but uh, you will need to uh, secure your mouth hole and make it more flame retardant. So uh, if you don't mind, please actually close that flap, the both of you, and uh, we'll make our descent down into the seduction vents. Before I'm we go really down, not fond of this place. Before we go down, I want to pop Zelos in the head and like the center mass of his torso with the, the cooling effect. And, and um... It looks at you and nods. If that's not enough, I can cast it one more time in a different location. Maybe on a, a patch-up kind of basis. He looks at you and nods and he says, The last time that I was down here, I 
did not have this, this will make the journey a bit more pleasant. Thank you. Jesus Christ. Um, we all can... Richter, are, are these suits mundane fireproof, or are these enchanted fireproof? These have a very light magi tech uh, field around them that mm. will lessen the effects of intense heat. Now, if you're hit directly with fire, I'm not sure that they'll exactly hold up, but sure, luckily sure. there are no exact fire vents coming out or anything like that. I got you. fire oxygen. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I'm glad that you don't. Uh, some of us do, however, and uh, are trying not to die as we lead you down this fucking vent that we didn't agree to do. Now, if you'll all follow up behind me, we'll begin our descent down to subduction vent 7. Alright? Why is it called 7? <laughs> I'm going to be extremely honest with you, Dara. Uh, I'm going to be extremely honest with you and tell you that the more you talk... The more I have to talk, and the more I have to talk, the more out of breath I am going to be, because these rebreathers do not allow easy breathing. So, uh, it's called subduction vent number seven, because it's the seventh vent that was installed, it's the seventh access point, and we are going to begin our descent, and I am going to go radio silence, do you understand? Yes. I want to hear it from all of you. I got one more question. Oh, you said I didn't have to. <laughs> you, you asked me not to. Never mind. Uh, what's your question, did you, Jordan? Did you say subduction vent or induction vent? Because if it's I a said, subduction vent, then I'm not going. I said subduction. Uh, we're going down deep into the crust of the earth where they meet. Uh, this is a very scientific term. Copy that. 10 4. Read you loud and clear. <laughs> Um, All right, uh, I did okay. not say seduction vent, however, that would be my bedroom. <laughs> All right, well, since you have time to joke, I actually have a real question. Um, I have a natural <clears throat> fireproofness about me. Um, what would that do in addition to the suit? I'd probably make it so you don't uh, burn up as much as the others. Uh, they're still going to feel quite a bit of heat. You may feel a little bit less if your body's more naturally inclined. Okay, thank you. A bonus you might still feel pretty warm, though. Huh? Rafani, you don't have to actually look at yourself, because it's the suit covers you up, so if you're feeling bad from the other day... Listen, it's really tight. You can see every nook and cranny. Oh right? my god, stop it. Again, I want to hear it from each of you, uh, that you're not going to continue jabbering as we descend. I thought you just said you were going to stop talking. I need confirmation. I'm going to be honest with you. This is going to be a very laborious process if we have to stop and talk every five seconds. What's the internal temperature of Sector 7's duct? And then I will be quiet. It reaches upwards of 200 degrees. <laughs> okay, thank you. Without these suits, you would be fried. Alright, we're going to begin the descent now. <laughs> you see him walk to an elevator. And uh, pulls a lever, and the entire thing kind of drops down, kind of heavily, about fifteen feet, and you're like, "Whoa!" And then it just slowly descends, and as it descends, you start feeling warmer and warmer as hot air begins to rise, and it smells kind of putrid and and disgusting, and um, it takes some time. Imagine those of you who have been to the Stratoka Salt Museum, where we live. 
Uh, imagine that you are on that elevator, but it's twice as slow going down. Takes some time to get down. You get off that elevator, step onto another, descend even farther. Step off that elevator. It's been about 10 minutes of descension. Very slow descension, but 10 minutes. It leads you through a few tunnels, and you can see uh, there are just very basic lights on the walls, and these are like amaranth crystals that have been encased in in like heat protective glass placed on the walls just barely working barely illuminating this hallway it looks like bits of stone uh are mingled in with the bits of iron that are lining the floor and you can see some wiring on the walls he leads you down three more passageways similar to this and you start seeing these enormous vent like uh structures all around you and above you and finally after walking for about 20 minutes you find a room and the room is an enormous circular room that has many different entrances all labeled with like painted uh, uh, signage around them you come out of vent number seven and you see before you this this absolutely marvelous and massive machine uh it looks to be this gray like material covering up from probably the floor all the way about 60 70 feet in the air roughly 60 feet wide and it is encased like a giant oven with many different vents coming out of it and going into the walls all around and into the ceiling above um you can see what looks like a green fire and glow pouring into the room from this this cerise nexus and uh as you get closer you see that the fire itself in the portal isn't green but the the reflection and refraction from the lights and the material that they use to make this is turning it different colors um and they walk you to the essentially front door of this oven <laughs> and you can see two men on either side who just look absolutely miserable. And they're like, <laughs> is, this, uh, is, is this the group that we were told about? He's like, uh, yes, this is the Emerald Order. Um, from my understanding, they're going to be entering two abreast, entering one second behind each other, and then we're going to close the portal for... And he turns to look at you. How long do you reckon? Are we assuming the one second is one hour conversion? Yeah. By your best approximation. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. And then we're going to be opening After the first. We're going to be opening it 30 seconds after the first close. Uh, So hopefully they're not in there for more than 36 hours or so. Uh, Three days could be a really rough journey. And guard's like, <laughs> he kind of like starts coughing up a lung really bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to, to make that happen. Are you sticking around? Yeah, I'm going to be here for a couple of minutes. So I guess we can wait on him for half a, half a minute and then head back out. Uh, we'll probably take the emergency exit back into the city so that we can ascend a little bit faster and get some cleaner air so that we don't suffer any long-term effects from, from all of this. The guard's like, yeah, you don't want this. And they nod at all of you, and they open the door. They walk in, and you see them 
each kind of like pull back their their uh, uh, not like pulling back the flame coating, but like pulling back a layer of it onto their computer on their arm, and then begin typing something in, and then begin manipulating the portal itself for the Ceres Nexus, which looks uh, like a uh, a large like not even earthly substance that this portal is made of it it looks like claws coming out of the ground in different directions forming the frame of this massive portal with scarlet color fire two things first off um marching order uh for us to go through so once he opens that we can just pop 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 yeah i can go in you already know alexander i think uh, so I can go in with Jordy, give him support if we are met with opposition. Do we uh, want to send you firstly with the heart of Shamsta here? Just in case no. that initial contact <laughs> no. is like aggressive? Uh, if we can't... Hmm. Based on the notes, no. Okay. So, okay, so we, Alexander right? and Jordan first. I'd say Dara and Orifar in second, followed up by Clusion and Jin. Zealous. Zealous. Is Jin Hai not with us? Oh, yeah, Jin Hai, and then Zealous. And, <laughs> and then Zealous, yeah. Zealous is by himself. Yeah, um, yeah that's fine. Can I'm we assuming Jin Hai would be with us. Make yeah. sure that. So uh, I was just think I was like, so all of us are splitting. I, I get worried because I'm like, oh, if we're paired together, like, and then we're stuck, like, is there two of us that can be like one muscle, one magic? And then I'm like, Ugh. that's kind of what I was thinking here. And that's that about like, how we did it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause. Is that how we're, yeah. 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 Alex and Yordi, Dara and Orfarne, Clution and Jen, and then Zelos bringing up the rear. Okay. And I mean, as quick rapid fire as we can get through. Sure. So you're standing around this enormous structure. And like I said, it, it looks like no material you've seen. It almost looks like ossified charred bone fragments, like fingers almost that are cupping this scarlet portal of just fire. And you feel the immense heat and you can see in this portal, like it's like giant fingers on either side holding it but only in the palms is just a tiny sliver of fire that's emitting this intense heat. Literal or figurative fingers? They they look like ossified, charred fingers. Yeah. It's not necessarily what they are, but they give you that, that feeling of, like, hands almost holding it up. It's only, like, three branches on either side. But... Um, and you see them open it just slightly enough for two people to come through and all of you just rush through as quick as you can. The portal closes and uh, Richter starts coughing a bit. He's like, <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I don't like being down here. Oh God, <coughs> get me out of here. And he like walks to the door. They close it and close the portal off. Um, Alexander and Yordaran, the first to arrive in this strange alien world. You feel the heat intensely around you as you step into this portal, and then it cools slightly to a more agreeable temperature, still probably in the 120s range. Definitely not good, 
but with your suits, it definitely feels like you've stepped out of the oven. Um, your suits are a bit cooling. And so I would say it feels closer to about 95 to hundred degrees with your suits on. Um, so it's manageable. You arrive in this arid landscape. You see in the distance a river that looks like blood just rushing around the landscape. Uh, it looks kind of like red mesa almost. And you, you feel this like flickering and you see flickering all around you and you look up and instead of a sun in the sky, it is literal fire just burning above you with soot and ash raining down all around you. Um, in the distance, you see hills and canyons and plateaus and what almost looks like a desert, but just extremely hardened red, like sand and, and, and soil all around you. Uh, you don't see any greenery in the immediate area. You don't see any water in the immediate area. Uh, you see mounds of ashes. You see bones, uh, long, long gone bones, What the remains of what looks like a flame retardant suit. Um, and the nearest structure you can see is to the west. It's about 300 yards away, and it looks like a small base camp that the previous settlers here established. Any living movement? Nothing that you can see. Not at the moment. Just the fire above. Um, what's the state of that base camp? Does it look decrepit? Does it look maintained? Does it look like it was attacked or anything? Sure. You guys walk over. You take a look um, at it from a diff distance, probably. At right, right. You're not like going right in front of it, but yeah. getting a better view of it, moving a little closer. You see that it's pretty intact. There are a couple of holes that could be patched, uh, breaches that have been made into it. It looks like claws have raked into the top of it. Um, but other than that, it, it looks relatively sturdy. It looks like it stood the test of time. Um, the material itself appears to be some weird prefabricated material mixed with almost like a cloth-like substance, which gives it enhanced durability and survivability in this environment. I'm going to look to Yordrin. I'm going to try something very dumb. I'm going to cast prestidigitation cooling effect on my head and just peel the, the hood back just a little bit. Okay, you do so, and your head feels very cool, uh, and instantly the flesh on your face begins to sizzle and burn. The inside of your head feels very cool, um, but the actual shut, burning sensation begins happening. Obviously shut instantly, that instant that starts happening. Yeah, and now you have like a, a bit of a blister on your forehead from it. It's just, mm. whew, does not feel good. Are you guys going to make contact with it, or are you going to hang back around uh, the portal? Hang back. Um, the portal so on this side. It's going to take a couple hours for everybody else to come through, right? Yeah. At least a hour, yes. Yeah. The portal that you've come into does not seem to exist on this side. There is just a tiny sliver of a crack that you can faintly make out, but there's no structure. There's no ossified, charred, bone-like fragments. Um, is there some way we could mark it for finding? Potentially. 
Um, you you can kind of triangulate find, where you're at from like, the river, the cliffs, and the structure. Can it's I just find, like, six or seven rocks and just make a little mound? Sure. Yeah. Pretty easy to do. You just see where your footprints should... first landed. I think we need to make sure we have shelter just in case some baddies do come by. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And that hut looks like the only... Sorry, Dustin, you're going to have to talk like this, please. <laughs> I'm not doing that the whole night. That hut looks night. like the only place that would... So it's a like a small little internment camp. Or not. I wouldn't call it an internment camp. Uh, <laughs> this isn't Conan Exiles. Well, it's more like just a I've been playing giant like dome tent or something. It's like a large, like futuristic, surviving Mars kind of prefab dome tent kind of thing. Futuristic dome. T- okay. Well, it's so it's it's made just, with magic. But not, I'm, but um, for our descriptions, for our descriptions, like from, it looks like a space. So this is not tent to this survive. is not this is not um, Orcish and make. This is no no no. This Orcanic. is definitely from the research camp that came here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I completely misunderstood that. I thought that was the the little village thing they t- talked about in the notes. Oh my no. bad. Um, shields up. It's already up. Um, I'm not even gonna attempt to like pull. Actually, I probably would have left my sword in the bag of holding. I probably don't have it on me. I'll give you a hand axe. Uh, I'm gonna try to just summon a fire bolt in my hand. Does this uh, manifest outside the glove? I hope. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll be all right. Is there like an airlock type of door into this thing, or is it just like a single door? There is like an airlock style airlock style door um, that you already would know, but right. Uh, you you you've seen similar things in the library, uh, where you had to go through two different doors to get down into the reserved text room. Um, it's essentially that. I mean, there's a door, and then there are a bunch of runes along the inside, and a small panel. And uh, if you touch the panel, it basically has a few different options for entry, and one of them seems to say research team five five we didn't get the whole picture here you learned about the one you asked about (laughs) yeah um and clicking on research team five allows access into the room i guess they assume probably that the orcs are not going to know it's a common tongue and so they weren't too worried about it um you feel a, a wave of cool air enter the room. Uh, however, above you is still kind of mangled, letting in the heat. But I would say the internal temperature of this tent right now is about 100 degrees. So with your suits, you're feeling like maybe 70. <laughs> God damn it. Um, is this something a mending situation could fix? Probably not. It's probably going to take you like 30 to 45 minutes of, of work to stitch this back together.
right, well, well we got an hour or so, so we, we got an hour, or so let's sweep, make sure there's no nasties hanging around. Yep. I'll go through the first door and see Roll if there's me, uh, any like perception check. Oh, you got it, buddy. Can I give him assistance? If you're right next to him, sure. I'm right next to him, and I'm on full alert. Okay, uh, first one was a 12 plus 7, so 19. Uh, 15 plus 7, so 22. 22. Um, nothing living in here, aside from three slightly glowing plants under glass. These plants have a couple of berries on them. One of them has, like, you recognize it to be like a modified version of corn growing in this tiny planter, essentially, with a glass capsule around it. And the other two are various kinds of berries that are growing. Um, however, you don't see any living or dead creatures around in this first area. And it's just one giant room? Uh, this This large room is one room. There are two side rooms to this place. We'll go left first. Okay. Going left, scan. keeping the same roll. Uh, you activate the door and it opens and you see what appears to be a sophisticated lavatory. And uh, it seems to have some kind of system that is converting remains into fluid. Hmm. Uh, so that's fun. You can like follow those little tubes back up the wall and into the large room and they kind of come down into this machine that if you press a button on it, it seems to give you like a third of a glass of water. It looks clear. It smells fine. Well, I haven't taken this hood off. Okay. Without the hood in here, it feels like 90 degrees. Still very hot. The air off. is not pure, but it's better than outside. Um, the other room you walk toward, open it up, and it seems to be kind of a storage room. Um, you can see that there are beds in the main room. There are four beds. And then there are, are in the storage room, what appear to be five dismantled beds, as well as various other supplies and bits of machinery and Magitek crystals and things like that. Well... Let's start patching up that roof. Boys, give me a either two slide of hand checks or one an advantage. Down for. I mean, I got. I'm not I'm, very good at it, so I'm not really good at it either. Does one my advantage? tool crafting help me here at all? <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, advantage it is. Here we go. Uh, that's an 11. That's better. That's a 16. You needed a 15. So you got it. Between the two of you, you managed to crudely stitch it back up. It's not perfect. It's still got a few little little gusts of warmth coming in and, and ash kind of filling in. But it's far better than it was, and it's breathable and habitable now. It's about this time... Maybe that... spiders can finish this off. <laughs> it's about this time that Dara and Orifarne, your feet go from blisteringly hot stone and iron to much cooler stone, but still hot. 
and you see the exact same landscape. You see a river of what looks like blood or at least red like water. Um, you see sprawling canyons and cliffs and plateaus in the distance. And to the right, you see a small research kind of style base with footprints leading that direction. Um, and rocks. Does it and seem... rocks where you came out of? Yeah. Does it seem cool enough that I, with my fire resistance, would be able to possibly remove the hood or the suit altogether? You crazy? A crazy? You could attempt it, um, and you would probably be fine as long as you use your rebreather. Yeah, yeah, I'll use the rebreather because I don't want to breathe in like all the sulfuric shit. But like, I'll I'll yeah. start just by taking the hood off for now. <clears throat> yeah. You like, take the hood off and you instantly feel hot ash kind of falling into your hair and on your head. And you look up and you see as well scarlet fire just as the sky, just moving and waving, doing its thing. Dara, I don't know about you, but this is marvelous. I mean, think of a hot day on the ocean, except you don't have the humidity. This is. I would live here. I mean, you know, obviously, without all the other bugaboos about it. I don't really like sand. I'm I'm literally kidding. <laughs> um, Everybody it, just tilted their head back right there. <laughs> <laughs> is it coarse? Is it because it's coarse and it gets everywhere? It's irritating. Just like this ash. <laughs> I mean, with your, your metal and wood body, that would be bad. That would be bad, yeah. Every yes, well, not, not all of us can uh, be as flame retardant as you I thank you take my chances with the suit but i'm sure it feels decadent to some people you people yes you want to walk to the uh the tent we assess that those are the footprints correct <clears throat> That seems to be okay. uh, two people's footprints walking in that direction. Okay. One just looks shorter and stouter. One looks taller and leaner. Okay. Just making sure that I don't have to do a check or I'm not seeing other prints after they've moved. This is the only prints in the area that you see. You Perfect. see them kind of wander in a couple different directions before going that way, but you do see them heading that way. Okay. I'm just assessing. Sure. You arrive at base camp for uh, research team five as well. You enter the building and you see uh, Alexander and Yordram kind of standing on these large like ladders, uh, stitching together the last bits of the ceiling. I'll go ahead and give him a hand. Well, the good news is um, if I have to do our special way to get back, it's, I have a safe-ish place to do it. That is true. Um, what else needs tending to, Marshall, that I could help with? Um, you're looking around and you see the plants that are growing. And you see that they're struggling to grow. And that this could be a potential source of food if you do get stranded here or if you are left here for a while. Okay. Um, and you, you see these, like, there are more than just these three. These are the only three that are growing is the corn and the two different kinds of berries. But there are more planters there, like cylindrical. Kind of imagine like a, a, a chop blade kind of thing, you know what I'm talking about? What is uh, this called? A chop. What? What is this called? The chop. The chop. 
<laughs> the blenders, little chop guys slap that you see on TV back in the day. Slap chop. There you slap go. Chop. The ones you see on TV back in the slap day. Kind of looks like a little slap chop. It's got a little planter and then a cylindrical like glass tube over the top of it. And you see a bunch of those laying around with soil in them that aren't growing anything as well. Okay. I'll go ahead and start working some magic with them. Sure. See if I can get some samples going. Yeah, you get some shoots going uh, up and you start to see fruit beginning to bear on some of the larger ones. Is there a way to like seal them off? <clears throat> um, I'm not trying to like take from something, but the thought of it is kind of like when we played No Man's Sky and people had those those like outposts. They are sealed off. Yeah. So the they plants. had the, like those outposts where they had those plants growing. You could take what you needed, but they automatically would grow like despite the atmosphere. Yeah, that's what the, the cylindrical covers are for. Okay, so I'm assuming I would take the intelligence that I knew from growing and then apply it to that area and do, be yeah. doing that. Okay. Yeah, easily, easily. Okay, cool. You kind of see what they have done and you just start mimicking and doing your own thing with it. Perfect. Um, Being smart. Well, while we were repairing it, did the damage look like it was caused by bipedal creatures or like... Make a nature check. I don't know if I've made one of these in a long time. Uh, 18 plus 3 for 21. It doesn't look like it was a land creature that made these. These look more like... Or maybe if it was a land creature, it was very big. These look more very like big. claws. Like claws they sought or talons. refuge in here and something tried to get them. Okay. Something tried to get them and tried to claw up the top of it, whether that be talons or claws or whatever else it could be. Um, at least it seems like the damage to this wasn't caused by the orcs. Are you within earshot? Oh, yeah, we're in this big room. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Um, replying to that thought, so I was thinking of what I was going to say. Do you... Um, Go ahead, Orphorny. No, 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 you were already talking. I thought you were done. Go ahead. I was, I'm, no, I'm assessing <laughs> as, as if, if what, if the Kadori are the strongest, so what else did they not tell us? There's no data on what would be here there's a lot they left out yeah there's a lot they left out i wanted to ask but it's they seemed very reluctant to give any more information she um really read that to the point and was adamant on us moving on away from it as she seemed uncomfortable you know yeah there's all all matters of stuff out here i'm sure i mean should they talked about just uh beasts coming out of the river and yeah, the beast whatever else there is disturbing um i i can help keep watch and he's gonna weave his fingers and his echo is gonna come up and he's gonna pull out the agony's duty and say drishti and it's gonna erupt in blue flames and he's gonna send it out the door uh going deaf and blind while inside the tent within earshot of everybody and having the uh, <clears throat> the echo kind of stand just outside the tent, not in any position that would be um, like, hey, look, people are here, but like able <laughs> to get a good view of the land. Yeah. Um, and Orifarne is going to go deaf and blind while he's putting all of his senses into the echo. 
um, I'm not going to be able to hear you guys or see anything, but I'm going to be able to take a look around, out around and communicate directly to you if I see something. This is, this is one I wish magic markers existed inside this game. I would be able to feel it. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to keep watch. Okay. Time passes and nothing. No wind, nothing but the ash raining down all around you. Um, not a stir from the landscape. Nothing that you can see until almost an hour on the dot after arriving, you see Klushin and Jinhai step through the portal and land on the red earth. And both of you see, again, exactly as I've described for everybody else, the same things. You see four sets of footprints that have left off down to the uh, the camp. Uh, you see the rivers of blood, the plateaus, the canyons, the sprawling landscape. You look up and you see literal fire burning in the sky and ash falling all around you. We're going to go to the camp also. Make that six <laughs> sets of footprints. <laughs> sure. You head to the camp. Same story for you. You make it inside. Um, instantly, it starts feeling like it's 70 degrees. You see a couple people without their, their masks and, and suits on. Um, with the top being replaced at this point in a couple of hours, having passed the average temperature in this tent to 75 degrees, your suits, if you still have them on, make you feel like it's 70. Um, you no longer need them. You no longer need the ventilators while you're in this area. It has been made safe. We're just waiting then? Yeah. As you walk up, you see the Echo standing guard outside, and it doesn't say anything to you. It just, like, gestures with its head and points to the front door. I like that one. <laughs> He's quiet. Uh, it immediately just starts shaking its head at you and looks away because <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> okay, an hour passes again, and you hear the door open and you see Zelos just walk in, uh, me and stripping off his suit. He looks at everybody. Well, we have safely arrived at what appears to be research camp five. Yeah. That is not from the plan. Makes me wonder what else they've done here. And if we'll really receive a warm welcome. I didn't hear you. What if these let's, let's just say the team was sent out with the with the soldiers and they didn't tell us everything that they wanted to they they did tell us the data they had but they left out the part where they sent a team in with three very juiced up oh i mean people at least five teams i have they've sent and they only told us of one and exactly that's why i'm saying why do they keep sending these teams and they're not coming back? What are the teams doing? Well, there's not saying that they're not coming back. Why did they not tell us they were sending more than one group? They don't have to tell us that. That's their business. 
Sarah only knew of the one. Right, Sarah did. But Mr. Councilmember probably <clears throat> did. Mr. Councilmember also sent his own son <laughs> to send us down. So maybe he thinks yeah. that we're going to be the the change. Um, what concerns me is is if we do get to the Kadori and um, they think that we are one of these teams that they have experienced in the past and they monkey see monkey do. I'm not saying anything. Sorry, Jen. Um, repeat the same behavior. Uh, that That's where it yeah. concerns me is that they're, they're going to think we're hostile. We, we've, we've really got to assess every angle to make sure that we do not appear hostile because they probably don't trust anyone who's came through that portal. It's a threat to them and, the and their culture, their people. And the problem is, is we really can't take these suits off. No, we can't take the suits off. It, it, it just is what it is. But I'm, I just implore that we think of some uh, ideas. Well, I don't need the suit, at least right here. I mean, I could just lead. You could just lead. Just be first first line of contact, at least. Um, but I think if we come bearing gifts, I think if we try to establish a line of communication from a great distance, a uh, message of intent... Then Did maybe we, they might, they might be hey we're here receptive. Well, that's what I'm saying is is did we actually gather information outside this outside of character like any information on the language that they spoke? Nope. Fantastic. I mean, I can I can speak any <sighs> language they. How many movies have I watched? Can, can you speak happened? it or just understand it? I think comprehend language just lets me understand. I don't think you can speak it. Only understand, I think. That's unfortunate. Ooh, yeah, that's You guys know a lot of languages between all of you. Not not that one. Yeah. You know a lot but of I have probably dozen of powers. Why? I mean if if they speak devil, I got that. So So looking around the area, you find what appears to be a, a tablet of sorts, a little, a little. Uh, uh, modern people will call them a clipboard, uh, but you are not modern people necessarily. You find a small uh, wooden tablet with a clip at the end, and it, it, it seems to have just something I've seen in that one computer techie place that was like destroyed by. No, not like that. No, just just literally just a, a clipboard. Essentially, not quite a clipboard, but pretty much a wooden clipboard. Um, and on it is a message that has been scrawled. It looks like a diary entry. I thought you it said diarrhea entry. I'm like, <laughs> it says day four. The orcish people seem to be tolerating our presence ever since Davin's foolish attack met a gory end. In fact, they seemed agreeable. Who knows how many years they have lived in this hellish locale. Rivers of thickened red water-like substance flow through the canyons. Tomorrow we shall attempt a sample. Nafis has set up his experimental machine to turn urine into potable water. Hayan has calculated roughly a return of one hour here for every second that passes in our world. 
Batua has begun work on hydroponics and has met with some success. Khaldun has begun work on observing the nearby populace, two miles to the west on the plateau over the Red Sea. Who knows what tomorrow will hold? Death. Um, so, essentially, this is the last group. Seems to be. That's a silver lining, I suppose. I feel very positive from that. Well, seems like we need to go two miles to the west then. Well, if we're moving out, then you should all make sure to suit up and keep your respirators. Uh, did they mention any kind of maintenance we have to do on these respirators? No, they seem pretty advanced enough. Okay. Uh, amaranth crystals that are purifying the air around you, essentially, that enters your mouth. I didn't know if it was one of those, like, you gotta pull out the bolter cartridge every 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Put a new amaranth crystal in. It's got a durability meter on it on the screen. Oh, <laughs> on your head yeah. up display inside the hood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you put the helmet on, it's got the HUD. Yep. Makes sense. Are you making the trek to the west? Y'all wanna go? Set your plan. I'm not gonna have the suit on, but I'll be wearing the respirator. Um, do... Who, who wants to hold the... The heart. Come and look upon the heart. Upon it's the probably, heart. It's probably in the bag right now, isn't it? Right. Do you just want to keep I'd holding the cushion? I'd say let's leave it in the bag for now, for sure, because we don't know what we're going to come across. It's... Very good. I agree. Heading west, you cross very crudely constructed bridge. Again, it looks like this prefabricated material that was placed into the ground and secured with struts uh, screwed deeply into the canyon walls um, stretches out about 20 feet, allowing you to cross over onto another of the large uh, kind of like plateau-like areas above the large canyon below. Um, following them, about a mile, you start to see what looks like a red ocean almost in the distance. Waves kind of pulsing, pulling back and forth, crashing into the rocks. Um, and in the distance, you see structure. Not like what you've seen previously. Uh, it seems to be almost like a pagoda reaching into the sky. Large shingled roof tiles that tear up and get smaller as the building grows taller. Um, you can see what appears to be an ornate stone carved gate with shingles coming off the top. Watchtowers surrounding it and other buildings. Uh, too many to count. This looks almost like an entire city. It doesn't almost look like a city. This this is a city. I mean, this is a massive structure on this plateau, basically sitting at the top of this very flat rock that used to have a giant ocean flowing through it to carve it out. Um, sitting at the very top is this massive city of the Kidori Orcs. Whoa. You can see what appear to be green trees growing in the city as well. 
the only greenery that you've seen in this entire place. Presumably the only color other than the red. <laughs> safe to say we're here and safe to say that they know we're here now. We should act as so. Definitely. Approach? Do you stay and keep your distance? What do you do? Do, do we see any reason not to approach? I mean, they seemed non-hostile if we bear no hostility. Can I look uh, around? Just to get yeah. a gander? A perception check? Sure. Okay. Wow, it did good. A 24. 24. I'm looking for anything yeah. out of the ordinary. Or anything interesting that might help us out of the ordinary or interesting okay um so you see in the distance uh outside the city there appear to be a stables of sort um a large massive building with with an almost thatch like roof that kind of covers across it uh, and pens and it looks like there are massive thick-skinned creatures that are resting inside uh, they almost look like rhinos, but are stretched a bit longer. Longer legs, thinner bodies, two horns instead of one. Almost like tusks, but coming out of their face. I thought rhinos had two horns. Well, like, not like straight They're out, like but like this, not... sideways. They're side. Oh, going up. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. The horizontal, not yeah, yeah, yeah. vertical. Yeah. Um, you see them... And in the distance, you can just make out some sort of chanting coming from the city and drums in a language that you do not understand. You know, strangely, this is about exactly how I pictured it would be. However, as you close the gap, so far you haven't heard it. But as you begin closing the gap, you hear it. And yes, Comprehend Languages pops up. I can understand it, but I obviously can't speak it. You were the only person here who natively understands this language. What the fuck? You hear, both of you, hear... So everyone hears this kind of non-guttural language. Um, actually, it sounds pretty elegant. Uh, and it's coming out, and it's, it's just repeating something over and over and over. As you near the city, Clusion and Alexander... You hear, our time has come, our time has come, our time has come, our time has come. And that's where we're going to end it for tonight. Oh my god, is it time? It's time. Yeah, our oh, time yeah. has come. Oh. Our time has come. We're going to have to nuke the fucking city? Maybe. Not again. You never know. Oh, Stop. No. You never know. Is our time has come good? Is our time has come bad? When Jinhai did his thing, he got a little wheel, a little whoa. Who knows? She did. Like, she's like, oh no, here I go nuke it again. <laughs> Fireball. <laughs> Surely not. Well, thank Fireball you. Fireball wouldn't work in this situation anyway. That's right. Thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. Thanks for hanging out. Um, Merry holidays to everybody. Have a good one, and we'll catch you next time.
Bye. 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 Happy Bye. holidays.